0: Galatians 2:20, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer who lives but Christ who lives in me, do you know that your journey with Christ began by you dying? You want, here's a marriage tip for all those who want to get married, ready to die. If you're not ready to die, you're not ready for marriage. Seriously. In fact, Jesus came and the first thing that he did was crucify you with him. Gospel is not that you will get to heaven when you die. Gospel is You're already in heaven because you have died. Let me say that again. Gospel is not that when you die, you will get to heaven. Gospel is you are already in heaven because you have died. Are you dead? You have been crucified with Christ. Okay. Uh, Without crucifixion, there is no resurrection. And that is one of the reasons why we pray. We pray not so that we can attain something. We pray so that we can empty ourselves out of self. Self-emptying, self-emptying. What I mean by self-emptying is not losing your individuality, not losing your personality and identity. Self-emptying means emptying your ego. The word I in Galatians 2.20, which says, For I have been crucified. That word I is ego. For my ego has been crucified with Christ. I no longer who lives but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by putting my faith in the Son of God. So, the criteria of the life of Christ to fall in you, the criteria is that your ego is dead. Your ego is dead. You claim yourselves Crucified. Our baptism, the baptisms that we do, is not the baptism that John the Baptist did. John the Baptist's baptism was about repentance from sins. Our baptism is about resurrection. That as Jesus died, so, so did you die with him, so that as he became alive, you also became alive. So the, so the consequences of your sins, the, the consequences of your sickness, the consequences of all the demonic oppression has been dealt on the cross that person has been dealt on the cross. So whatever the devil can do to you can only do maximum to the crucified person. He can't touch the new person because your new person is in heaven. You are in heaven right now. Let me show you a verse. This is Jesus talking to Nicodemus, okay, but I want you to see the NKJV because the ESV uh, has omitted that phrase. John chapter three verse thirteen. Are you with me? John chapter three verse thirteen. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. So Jesus talking to Nicodemus saying. There's nobody who has ascended to heaven. There's only one person who can ascend to heaven is the one who has actually come down from heaven. And that is the son of man who is in heaven, meaning the son of man who is talking to you right now is in heaven. I'm talking to you on the earth, but as I am talking to you, I'm also in heaven. Okay, one more verse. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and four to 6. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Next verse. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive. He made you alive together with Christ. So as Christ became alive, you also became alive. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are seated with Christ in heaven right now. This is not talking about future reality. It's talking about what has already happened. So you are in heaven as Jesus is in heaven. Okay, where are you? In heaven. Now how is that possible? How is that possible? You have to understand that you are a spirit being. What are you? Spirit being. The day you accepted Jesus, your spirit being has been united with the Holy Spirit. Now you are one. How can your spirit and Holy Spirit become one? If you want to understand that mystery, get married. How can a man and a wife become one? Two different individuals, but they become one in a covenant of love. Just like that, when you believed in the gospel, you were sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, verse 13. So you are now not just I, you are we. Spirit, your spirit and the Holy Spirit. This, your spirit is who you are. That's who you are. You're not the mind. You're not the heart. You're not the hand. You're not the body. You are a spirit being. Your spirit being has a heart or a soul which has emotions, And thoughts. And you are. In a body. So this body is on the earth. But your spirit is in. okay the spirit being is completely saved the spirit your spirit being has no sickness has no deformity has no demonic oppression is not struggling with sin your spirit being is completely renewed in the image of Christ remember first peter one verse twenty three you are born of the imperishable seed which is the Living and abiding word of God. So you are recreated. You were recreated. The day you accepted Jesus, you were recreated. That's the conversation that Nicodemus had with Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to see the kingdom, you have to be born again, born from above, born from a higher reality. And Nicodemus said, how is that possible? Should I go back into my mother's womb again? And Jesus is like saying, hey, I'm talking about a spiritual rebirth. So, the spirit being is completely saved, is exactly like Jesus. And where is it located? In heaven. Where are you seated right now? In heaven. You're not going to be seated. You are already in heaven. That's the message of the gospel. That as Jesus died, so you died with him. So that as he is resurrected, as he is made alive, so are you made alive together with him. So where is Jesus? In heaven. Where are you? In heaven. But the thing is our bodies are still on the earth. Because we have a divine mandate upon our lives. A spiritual mandate to be fulfilled. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray like this. Our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Let it be done on earth. So for God's will and purpose and plan and his dreams to happen on the earth, it is happening through you because you are becoming that channel. Because you are the spirit that is in heaven, but your body is on the earth. You are the bridge of where God's spiritual purposes comes into fruition. God is a spirit. Correct? God is a spirit. No spiritual being can do anything on the earth without a body. Any spiritual being that needs to do anything on the earth, it requires a body. That's why what demons do is they possess bodies. And we call it demonic possession. So if God wants to change the earth, he needs bodies, he needs flesh. That's why the Bible says he'll pour out a spirit on all flesh. As long as you have a flesh, oh, he'll pour out a spirit on you. Anything that needs to be done on the earth, if God's will needs to be done, you have to become that channel. You have to partner with him. Otherwise, God's will cannot happen. Look in the Bible. Every time God did something, he partnered with a human. From Adam to Abraham to Noah, David Gideon, I was gonna say Goliath. <laughs> god needs to needs a human to partner on the earth. It's not because you know he, he, he is limited, but that's how he has created. He he purposely is a god of partnership. He does not play solo. Why? Because he's not ego. Egotistical like us, egoistic like us, right? Okay. So where is your spirit? In heaven. In heaven, do you have any diseases, any sickness, any sin, any any demonic oppression, uh, any poverty? But are you sick? Here? Are you sick here? Do you struggle? Do you suffer? Now you see, you're dealing with two realities. One reality where you're completely healed, completely set free, completely forgiven, and the other reality where you're suffering. Okay? which reality is the bigger reality? You tell me. Heaven's reality or the earth's reality? Heaven's reality is the bigger reality, right? Now, John chapter 14 verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the Life, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now I just want to just focus on the phrase, I am the truth. Why didn't Jesus say, "I am a truth? Are you suffering today? Is that a truth? It's a truth. But Jesus said, "I am the truth. Do you know the difference between the truth and a truth? The a uh, uh, truth can change. Today you might have headache, tomorrow you will not have headache. So it can keep changing. The truth never changes. Amen. Oh, it remains solid, meaning it remains the same over time, over geography, it is the same. Okay? So for... For the benefit of the discussion, I'm going to use the truth as the absolute truth and a truth as subjective truth. Absolute truth are those that never changes. Subjective truth can change. So right now, what's the time? It's 11.40. But by the time people will see this video on YouTube, it'll be whatever time it is. Our friends in the United States, they're experiencing night. So we're all are living through a subjective reality. So what time is it? It's a subjective reality. But the thing is, if you ask the sun, sun, are you schizophrenic? That you shine sometimes and you don't shine sometimes. Yes, the sun is not emotional. The absolute truth about the sun is that it keeps shining 24 seven. But still on the earth, some portions of the earth experiences night and only some experiences day. Why? Because of the rotation of the earth. So just because I experience night, it will be very stupid on my part to say sun has stopped shining. Just because you don't experience healing... It is stupid on your part to say God doesn't heal. Just because you don't feel forgiven, you don't have enough evidence to accuse God of not forgiving. God is, let me just rephrase that, God has forgiven he has healed all our diseases. He has set, free, set us free from all demonic oppressions. He has done it once and for all on the cross. That's why there is no sickness in heaven. Because he has done it once and for all. Now just because you don't experience it, that doesn't negate the work of God that he has done on the cross. The question that you need to ask yourself is, are you living from the absolute truth of God or you're living in your subjective reality? The problem with the gospel, when it is that you you will only get to heaven when you die, the problem with the gospel is we are living towards earth from heaven. You know, we're living towards sorry we're living towards heaven from earth we're going towards heaven from earth that's a problem why is that a problem is because you are looking at that absolute truth through your subjective reality it's like you know you're looking uh, to a big room through a key keyhole and you're like wow that's amazing but this is bad that's amazing but jesus was telling nicodemus no one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven who and who is in heaven so what was jesus doing he was not living towards heaven he was living towards earth from heaven you see the, you see the paradigm shift you are a spirit being that is in heaven you need to live On the earth from heaven. Not the other way around. It's a paradigm shift. If you get that paradigm shift, everything will change. Everything will change. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this world are not worth comparing for the glory that is to be revealed to us. The problem is... We have focused so much on the suffering that we are seeing the glory through the suffering. So because we are seeing the glory through the suffering, when the suffering becomes a lens, we are like, oh, it's okay. Whatever you're going through, it's okay, you know. You're trying to find meaning in the suffering. But can I tell you, Paul did not write so that you could find meaning in your suffering. Paul wrote so that he could give you hope that this suffering is temporary. Don't look at the glory through the suffering. Look at the suffering through the glory. It's a whole paradigm shift. Look at your sickness from the place of being healed. Look at the struggle of your sin from the place of being completely forgiven. Not the other way. One day I'll get to heaven. One day I'll be healed. One day I'll be forgiven. You are in heaven. You are healed. You are forgiven. You are set free. Change your paradigm of thinking. That's why Jesus said, repent, change your mind. We think repentance is all about, oh Lord, I have done this, forgive me. I have done. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is change your mind, change your paradigm of thinking. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your reach. If you can change your mind, if you can change your paradigm of thinking, you can experience kingdom right here, right now. You are not given the Holy Spirit just to experience the demo of heaven. I've got the foretaste of glory. So it's just a foretaste, you know, a demo. No, you have given, you have been given the whole course meal so that you can experience God right here, right now, as he is. But to do that, you have to, you have to change your paradigm from seeing him through the lens of suffering, but to see your suffering through his lens. in uh, in the year 1999 there was a movie that was released called matrix okay now i don't support that movie but i'm just saying i'm using it as an illustration to teach you something the movie is about a character the hero of the movie his name is neo now neo is a hacker is a computer hacker one day he realizes that he can change his reality just by changing some program. Because he figures out that the reality that he is living in is not the true reality. It's, he's living in a virtual reality created by computers. Artificial intelligence, created by artificial intelligence. Because computers want to enslave humankind, so they have they are using their bodies to generate heat. Because they need heat to survive. Computers need heat to survive. So they're using human bodies to generate heat. And they're enslaving the human bodies by putting them, by hooking them up in a virtual reality. So everybody is hooked into a virtual reality. And they're living the reality as if it's true. But only some have woken up from that reality and have experienced true reality. The thing about living in a subjective reality is that it will always keep you enslaved. It will always keep you as a slave. Now, there's this guy, Morpheus, who before Neo, he woke up, Morpheus woke up to this true reality. And now Morpheus comes to Neo and he says, I give you two choices. Here, you have the red pill, and you have the blue pill. If you take the blue pill, you will forget everything. And you will live your life in the stimulated virtual reality as if this is true. But if you take the red pill, you will wake up and you will experience true reality. Jesus came to give us the red pill saying there's reality that you're living in. Okay, is a subjective virtual reality that does not bear all the true facts of who God is. That red pill is the red pill of faith because it is by faith you access into the promises of God. So every time you use that red pill of faith, you are awakened into the true reality of God, moving from your subjective reality into God's reality. Okay. Where are you seated? In heaven. You're seated in heaven. That's why John chapter 8 verse 32, Jesus said, if you know the truth, it shall set you free. Don't know a truth. Your medical report is a truth. Your bank statement is a truth. The, The mental thoughts that you know, you're being bombarded with the overthinking and the th- the feelings, emotions of jealousy and all of that. That is a truth. But if you know the truth, it shall set you free. The truth in itself can't set you free. It is a knowledge of the truth that can set you free. So when you know the truth, it will set you free. See, without... The gospel, people are living on the earth. Through that subjective perspective, subjective in that subjective reality, enslaved by the devil, enslaved by the circumstances that are hitting them. But if you can open your eyes, what I mean is if you can open your spiritual eyes, you will see you're not living on the earth. You're living from heaven on earth. You're positioned far above every power, every rule, every authority, every principality. You're positioned far above all of that, and now you're ruling the earth. Yeah. So, move your life from living in a in an illusion into God's truth. So the medical report is an illusion. It is a true illusion in its sense. But it's an illusion. God's truth is what he has done on the cross and everything that the cross has bought for your behalf. Yes? Yes. Now... Now, what do you do? Pastor Sam, I like what you're saying. But I'm still sick. I'm still struggling through this. Let me show you a verse. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Have you got it? Because I want you to see this. Hebrews chapter 11 verse sitting. These all died in faith. That's it. These all died in faith. Okay. What's the next phrase? Not having received the things promised. Who promised to them? God promised to them. But they did not receive it. But the beauty is they died in faith. Now what I want to ask you is, will you die in faith rather than believing something that is not true of God? Oh, I, I'm having cancer and I prayed for it and I died. But did you die in faith? Did you die in faith till the last breath that God will heal you? Oh, I'm struggling through the sin and it's, you know. But will you still believe that God has forgiven you? Not having the things promised. God promised to them, but they did not receive it. But they died in faith. Why? So that the next generation rises up at the faith that you left. You know, if you understand the context of this verse, it's talking about Abraham. When God called Abraham in Genesis 12, he says, come out of your kindred, come out of your, you know, hometown, and I'll show you a place. And God literally took them, took Abraham and his, you know, people to every place that they were supposed to possess. But they lived as foreigners. They did not possess it. They lived as foreigners. And Abraham died. But that promise was carried on to Isaac. He also lived as a foreigner in those same places and he died and then it was carried on to Jacob. Jacob, same, he died. It was carried on to the next generation. It took almost 500, more than 500 years for the people of Israel to come to Canaan and possess it. The blessing of Abraham was to possess land, real estate. That was the blessing of Abraham. How do I know this? Read Genesis 28 in your free time. That's what Isaac tells Jacob. I bless you with the blessing of Abraham so that you will possess the land. So they were all believing in God. They lived as foreigners in the same land that they were supposed to possess, but they did not possess. They were living as foreigners, but they kept believing in God that he will do it. You might be going through a sickness, but will you keep believing in God that he will do it? Rather than giving up and saying, yeah, he does not do it all the time. Because your faith is transferred to the next generation. You know, have you wondered why for 2000 years we're still here on the earth? The church is still here and uh, Jesus is not coming. Have you wondered? When Jesus before you know it's like everybody says Jesus is coming soon, but that soon has taken like two thousand years. Because we are the body of Christ, He is the head. The body has to mature into the head. If the body is small and the head is big, it's an you know deformed body. The head is still small. The head needs to grow and rise up to the maturity of the head. That's when Jesus will come. So I I know we've we've been in this uh, waiting period of you know when Jesus comes, then He'll take away our sorrows and you know our bodies will be new and we will be resurrected and you know our you know we'll get to heaven, the heaven's reality. But what if? Jesus is waiting on the church to walk in that maturity so that he can come. Think about it. What more does God need to give you today other than the Holy Spirit? He gave a son so that he could die for you. He got resurrected, resurrected you with him. And then he gave you the Holy Spirit. So that he could express. <sighs> Amen. Yeah. I want to say this again. Don't make your suffering. An idol. Don't make a monument out of your suffering. And be like, I went through all of that, you know. Praise be to God. Because if you make a monument out of your suffering. You'll never move on to glory. Look at the glory. See your suffering from the place of glory. That will transform you. See, when Paul wrote, for I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worth comparing, he he was not writing so that you could focus on the suffering back again. He wanted to take their focus away from the suffering and look back into the glory of God. In fact, the sufferings that Paul wrote compared to our lives is like really nothing. Let me give you a context. When Paul wrote sufferings, he wrote to a Christian generation that was being tortured, that was being eaten up by lions, that those who, who were thrown in gladiator fields to be beaten up, to be bruised, and they were flamed as torches. To those, to that generation, Paul says, hey, don't look at your suffering as something that is great. Because the glory, oh, the glory that is to be revealed. And then in the later verses, he says, you know, that's why we wait patiently for what we do not see. Because if we see it, why would we wait? Why would we have hope? So do you see your healing? No. Awesome. Wait for it. Believe in God for it. Still hope that God will do it. Amen. So there were these couple of people who went to Jesus and they said, you know, what must we do to be doing the works of God? John 6, 28. What must we do to... Be doing the works of God. And you know, Jesus answered one line believe. Say with me, believe. Our job as God's children is not to understand suffering. Okay? Is not to write a thesis on suffering. Oh, you know, our job is to believe in God. You have to look at your suffering from God's perspective rather than seeing God through your suffering. Because when you see God through your pain, through your suffering, through your sin and shame, it will give you a distorted image of God. Have you heard the phrase, hurt people hurt? You know why hurt people hurt? Because that's all they can see. You are not hurt. He came to bind the brokenhearted. You're no longer brokenhearted. So don't keep on holding on to your brokenness and be like, oh, yes, God loves me in my brokenness. Yes, God loves you in your brokenness, but He has also binded your brokenhearted. Move on. How long are you going to hold on to that? Can I be honest with you? One of the reasons why we make a big deal about suffering is because it Validates our worth. It gives pleasure to our righteousness, you know, self-righteousness. Oh, I have gone through so much. You don't know. I have gone through a lot. I was betrayed a hundred times. Don't validate your worth based on your suffering. Validate your worth based on what Christ has done for you. His, what He has done for you has completely forgiven you, completely accepted you, completely set free, completely delivered you once and for all. So live from heaven. Live from that place of heaven's reality. Amen. Are you guys blessed? Okay. Okay. Can I I just show you a couple of things, okay? Couple of things just to make you think as we end. Ephesians 1 verse 4. Do you know Ephesians 1 verse 4? Just as He chose us in Him before the foundations of the earth so that we should be made holy and blameless in Christ, right? So when were you chosen? You were chosen before the foundation of the world. You were chosen before the foundations of the world. Right? Now there was one more person who was chosen before the foundation of the world. First Peter chapter 1, verse 20. First Peter 1, verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last things for the sake of you. Whom is he talking about? Jesus. So you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Jesus was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Okay? In other words, Revelation chapter 13 verse 8. Revelation 13 verse 8. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. When was Jesus crucified? When was Jesus crucified? 2000 years ago? In our timeline. But for God, He was crucified before the foundation of the earth. You were chosen before the foundation of the earth. Jesus was chosen for your behalf before the foundation of the earth. In fact, what Jesus did on the cross was before the foundation of the earth. See, we are trying... Is this hard? No, no. We're, we're trying to live in a life that is bound by time and space. Right? Time and space. So time moves linearly like this. Now, God is not living in that time and space. He is beyond time and space. Time is under his subjection. He's not under the subjection of time. Time is under the subjection of God. He chose you before the foundation of the world, meaning He chose you even before time began. Christ was foreordained for your behalf before time began. What Jesus did on the cross was an eternal thing. It happened as if it happened before time began. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because He is before. Time began. Okay. Now, that is why anything that we do in heaven's reality in the spiritual realm is as if it is before the foundation of the world. It is before time began. It is in time when you feel sick. It is in time when you feel depressed, but you are not in time. You have been redeemed out of time. You are in God. You are in Christ, far beyond all powers and principalities. That's where your reality is. Time is a beautiful concept so that we can experience life. You know we can have amazing adventures and fulfill god's purpose and plans and just enjoy life but don't let time to become your master because you have been redeemed from time also you were chosen before the foundation of the world god knew you everything that god created is for your pleasure that's why In the book of Genesis, God creates man and uh, woman on the last day, on the sixth day. Why didn't he create them first? So that everything will be ready when man comes. But man was created in God's mind before the foundation of the world. He came into the physical world in some time because he had to create time for that physical world to begin. And then he created man. But you were before time with god before the foundation of the world your reality that's why your reality is in heaven so live from heaven don't try to decipher life on the earth you know seeing all the data that is there on the earth it's it's inaccurate because those are earth truth you live from the truth jesus said i am the truth jesus can become your reality the absolute higher reality amen that's why his word john 17:17 17, 17 says sanctify them by your truth your word is truth sanctify them by your wor- by your truth and your word is truth that's why we go back to god's word god's word is like the red pill that tells you hey this this is an illusion this is a truth which will keep changing but the truth will not change and that is jesus just like he is so are we in this world is jesus sick is jesus struggling through sin is jesus demon oppressed then so are you. My experiences does not negate the power of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Are you guys blessed? Yes. So live from heaven. Live from heaven. You know, one of the things that I often do, I don't know and I don't know how much I share about it you yeah, Ephesians two verse four from four to six, which says that we are seated far above every power, every rule, every principalities. And one of the things that I do in my quiet time is close my eyes and just see through the faculty of my imagination that I'm seated with Christ far above every power. And then I contextualize it for my, for the problems that I'm facing. That every problem that I face, I see them below. They are beneath my feet. And, I, and I'm like, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for setting us free. For setting us free from all of these things that are beneath us. When I keep meditating on that word, what it, what it does is it begins to change my heart. And when I open my eyes, then it begins to change my perception. Because what you perceive becomes your reality. Isn't that true? Let, let me do this exercise with you. Think about, think about this. You're, you're getting late. You're getting late for office. There's a very important meeting, very important presentation that your boss gave you as an assignment. But unfortunately you got late. Now you're rushing towards your meeting. Now there's a red light. You're waiting for that red light to turn green and you can literally see the seconds on the red light and you're counting the seconds because your hand is on the, your hand is on the, you know, accelerator and you just want to rush as soon as it hit greens. Now, the moment it becomes green and you want to put your accelerator, somebody from the right cuts you off. What are your emotions? You are angry. You, If you had the chance, you would kill him. Right? Why? Because your emotions are all over the place. Right? But somehow, somehow, the person who is sitting with you somehow recognizes that person. Oh, it's that guy. Oh, man. His daughter is sick. She's in the hospital. Just having some more information will change your emotions, suddenly you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, I can't be mean to that guy. He needs to get to the hospital faster than I need to get to my meeting. Right? What has happened? Your perception has become your reality. Your perception of God's word can change your reality. You're still there in that red light. Nothing has changed but just because your perception has changed your reality has changed change your perception from earth to heaven look at earth from heaven rather than looking at heaven from earth change your perception look at your suffering through the glory not look at your glory through the suffering if you have that paradigm shift it will change your life will change your reality amen May God bless you.